Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. My nightmare. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Hello, Ash. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Greg? I'm very good. I'm very good. Anybody who skips through these, they will hear that exact same opening every episode. I know we do it. Every... It's funny because I've seen, I've seen somebody's uh, like Instagram reel that do recipes or whatever. And if you scroll through, each time they they introduce the exactly same words. And it's like, I'm mm. sure I've just... That's... So it's always like, because someone's re- um, like, profile's like, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. I'm like, exactly the same thing at the start. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So tonight, we are doing something... A little bit different to what we yeah. normally do. Yeah. So we are reviewing two movies that mm-hmm. one is out and one is coming out. And the one that's coming out is actually being released this Friday, the 20th, on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. which is Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. It is. Which is directed and written by Adam Siegel, who, at the end of this episode, once we've talked about the film and our thoughts on it, will play the interview that we managed to to get with him, yeah. which is weird. It was weird. So yeah, as, in a, a good in a good way, well. weird. Yeah. So that'll play at the end, and you'll hear his thoughts on Jeff the Talking Mongoose, which when you. <laughs> When you say it out loud like that, it does sound rather weird. But if you listen to one of our previous episodes, we talked to Richard Freeman, who is more of an expert in Jeff the Talking Mongoose than certainly I am. So <laughs> definitely. So and that, yeah, that that was my first introduction to Jeff was way back in April time, where we we spoke and talked about Jeff the Talking Mongoose, which. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so great, weird. Yeah, just the tagline is enough to uh, yeah. Yeah. keep the interest. Considering yeah. a mongoose isn't really a natural animal to the UK. No. So, and it's based in the Isle of Man. Um, so, but yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. But the first film we're going to talk about is, so it's a bit of a weird, weird one. It ticks a lot of boxes this episode. So we're going to talk around No One Will Save You. Yeah which is on Hulu, it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, it came out was it a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. About a month ago, maybe. Yeah, any other streaming website that you might go to for films, whether or not you're using VPNs or not. But you can, you can find it if you look hard enough, um, if you haven't got Disney or Hulu. So that's the first one we're going to talk about. So the premise around it, is my understanding, and when you see it, it's pretty hard not to get the storyline right from the first moment. Essentially, there's like a UFO um, uh, incident, and it's basically aliens coming down and 
infiltrating Earth to, to all intents and purposes. And it revolves around one main character um, throughout mm. the whole film. Yeah, no, it's really good. And uh, spoilers uh, ahead for anyone that hasn't seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put that on the, the show notes as well. Spoiler. We will be talking in depth about both films. So, and yeah. especially this one's not even out. And I was told we could talk about it. So that was all good. Yeah, especially with uh, Norma Save You, um, mm. the, the the kind of the story itself and is quite yeah. unusual, and you wouldn't want to give. We will talk about what yeah. happens, uh, which yeah. will yeah, kind of be if you wanted that suspense. But uh, yeah, skip ahead to around twenty minutes if you don't want to uh, hear spoilers, or completely miss the episode if you don't want to be spoiled for both films. Which is or skip to the last fifteen though. minutes if you want to listen yeah, to the interview. And then, yeah. Yeah, and I try not to give too much away in the interview, in my questions, just to let you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, one, it's going to be a weird episode here. We we will be giving a lot of information away. Um, but if you can get to at least this point in the podcast before you turn off, that really helps us with algorithms and, and all that kind of stuff. So five minutes in is good. <laughs> and what I'll do, Ash is in the show notes, we'll put down what times we start talking about the certain things so at least people can either choose to switch off at that moment or, or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, so if we're on this point, spoilers, you have been warned. Yes, yes, indeed. So, no one will save you. And can I first first say that there's a movie buff where I work, the guy into films and he talks stuff that I just, it goes over my head and you'll say, oh, this character was in, this person was in this film and this, I was like, mate, you, you lost me as soon as you started talking about <laughs> them. So I said to him, have you seen No One Will Save You? He goes, no, I've seen the, the artwork and I think most people have probably seen the artwork by now. And I said, watch it, it's brilliant. He come back the next day and he was like, oh my God, Greg, you gave me a movie recommendation that I really enjoyed. And it, <laughs> And it is a great film. Yeah. So what did you think to it first of all? Before we give any spoilers away and talk about it in depth, what was your thoughts on the film? I thought it was amazing. I mean, I love Ellie movies, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's been a while since it's been a real good one. Yeah. Uh, and with, with the trailer for this, I, there's aspects of science in there. And, oh, yeah, massively. Um, which I was looking forward to. Even um, the film we talked about before, the first and tape, Alien Abduction. Oh, yeah. um, similar aspects of that in there. Uh, and the it's trailers. up there with it's up there with like the oh moments. It's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the whole kind of plot I think was amazing when I got to the end of it, and when you realise certain things, it's like oh my god! Like so, just for one kind of mini spoil is there's pretty much zero dialogue. Yeah, there's, that's the. It's about two lines thing. of dialogue in the whole yeah. film. And you and don't really realise it until the end. You think no, no one talked in this film. And and do you? I actually felt that that made the film stronger. Because mm. when you realise that there's no nobody's actually spoken really, or there's not, there's no interaction with people, and then I was thinking in my head when I'm saying that it sounds like it's like a silent movie, but it's not. It's just no. No words, really. It's just everything it's else is there. 
I was explaining it to my brother, and I was like, you need to watch this. I was like, no one talks. He's like, what do you mean no one talks? I was like, no, there's no dialogue. <laughs> it's just, it's just no dialogue. It's basically just one actress. It's yeah. Caitlin Diva. It's just basically the main character. There's a couple of others at the start of the film. Apart from that, it's basically all around her uh, in her home. Kind of get some kind of insight into her life. She's been shunned by the whole community. Uh, which she later found out is because of something that happened when she was a kid. Which I thought, it's a bit tight. It's like you could kind of, they, they allude to it early on, but they, you, t- you find out near the end that what happened happened. Mm. But you kind of know straight away that that must have been what happened when she was a kid. Yeah. Where she basically pushed a friend in an argument and the friend died and must have been about 14 at the time. Yeah. And then, but she's now in her 30s. Yeah, and the yeah. whole community won't talk to her. She's shunned. Something that happened when she was a kid. I thought that's a bit yeah. harsh because she was a kid at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you, it's it's a very strange sort of backstory. Like you're saying, it is quite tight. They're still shunning her after this time, so you don't. It, it's strange, but that doesn't doesn't impact the film at all in fact that probably alludes to the fact that she's just not speaking to anyone hmm. that's why i mean i guess the they had to have a reason for her not to get help mm-hmm. yeah. the action kicks off pretty much straight away yeah it does it's not like like with signs like the the, the creature reveal in signs it's way is into it isn't it way into it and you only get like a bit of a glimpse and that's mm-hmm. kind of it Whereas yeah. this, it's literally within the first 10 minutes. Um, it's a home invasion. Uh, yeah. The bright lights come, and then there's creatures in the house um, smashing things around. Yeah. And it just doesn't light up straight, and you see the creatures straight away. Uh, so there's no, like, kind of suspense. It's not like the. Because the, a lot of stuff we like with Blair Witch Project, with signs, with any abduction with face and tape, you don't see. The creatures till near the end, or in the Blair Witch, you never see anything. It's the no. it's the, the premises. You don't the know what that, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, it's just straight away. It's there. That's what the creature looks like. And, yeah, and oh, one of the creatures looks like yeah. because there's multiple versions of these these aliens, and some of them are freaky. Because it's one thing that got me. I I saw the poster for the Babadook. Have you seen the Babadook? Yes, yes. I so I saw the poster and I thought, "Fuck, this looks brilliant." Just from the poster, I thought this looks super eerie. And then you get into it, and like this whole is it her depression and blah blah blah. We're not talking about Babadook, but I thought fantastic. And then the Babadook appears, and it ruined everything for me. It really did. And I just thought you didn't need to show him, you mm. could have just kept him on the fringes. And I, I thought that spoiled the film for me. So when I thought we'd see the alien straight away. And I was thinking, uh, are we? Is this too much too soon? Because Blair Witch does it completely opposite, and the only kind of thing at the end of Blair Witch is where the the camera falls over, where the guy's in the corner. Spoiler alert: the film is twenty <laughs> odd years old. So if you're interested in it now, then I'm not spoiling anything. But so yeah, there there is a bit of a happy medium with signs as to that premise that there there's something there that you're not quite sure of. Same with um, 
10 Cloverfield Lane. Have you seen that? That's the, one I'm, the only one I've not seen out of them. That's really that the one with John Goodman? Yes, the best yeah, one. That's the one I've not it's seen. It's the best one. And it's kind of, you don't really, same with all of them, you don't really know what they're afraid of or what, what it is. And that adds to the mystique a bit. I think you'd like 10 Cloverfield Lane, actually. Yeah, think yeah I definitely it. Need, to, need to go and watch it. And yeah, if you've Paradox, awful, don't do it. <laughs> that might want to put me off. Um, but yeah, but the way you talk about with the Babadook and where you think it's her, um, that's kind of great in everything. You, you have that thought with this film mm-hmm. because she's this isolated, shunned young woman living on her own. Yeah. Uh, and she does seem to be a bit unhinged. Yeah. Uh, the way she's living. I do think if you start questioning it, is this happening or is she imagining it? Yeah. Is she like, is it, is she trying to either? Not imagine it or making it up like a story for herself. So that she something's happening to her, uh, just because she has basically no one um, in her life. But I mean, the bit. I mean, I did love it. I did overall. I'd watch it again. Thought the yeah. premise was great. This bit towards the middle, because she spends quite a lot of time fighting the aliens, and there's multiple aliens. It's fine just to, just to keep fighting them off. And at one point, yeah. I was like, "Come on!" Like it's a little bit laughable. I was like, mm. "There's no way." It's a bit unrealistic because you do see the aliens straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, got that now suspense has gone. They kind of after probably the first forty-five, fifty minutes, they're not really scary Come anymore. On. Whereas at the start, they are. And because mm. she keeps fighting them off and kills one of them, and and this yeah. is like. It got a little bit, it's probably about a 10 minute period in the middle. Where I was like, this is just a bit stupid now. Yeah. When they're in the kitchen and there's mm. that weird one with all weird arms and that. Um, yeah. That was the bit I was thinking, surely that would fuck you up. I'm sorry. That, that kind of alien from another planet, they don't send aliens like that just to do a bit of gentle probing. They, they're there to fucking massacre. Mm. And, but yeah, it was. I get that. I get what you're saying. It's, it was a bit much at times. You go, well, really? To one person? All of that? But, yeah, overall, really good. I thought the bit, the way the aliens move was very interesting because they don't, they're not like fluid. They're all like glitchy type movement when they're moving. I thought that was a really good touch because he, he kind of given a different, I was expecting this grey alien to appear on the screen and it do all the normal stuff, but it was all a bit glitchy and, mm. and then this is a major spoiler alert. When, when they, um, that thing goes into her mouth, yes. she's pinned to the ceiling. This weird, like parasite. sea urchin yeah. para, yeah, parasite thing going into her mouth and she, her mouth just opens because they've sort of like forced her. And she, that's quite a, an intense few minutes of that that happening. What that reminded me of, have you seen The Last of Us TV show? No. For those that have seen The Last of Us, there's a scene, spoilers for anyone not seen the TV show, um, when they're in the... I haven't seen it. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, it the Capitol building they're in? Um, and then basically one of the, it's, it's a zombie type, get the infection and once you got the infection that's it you're kind of fucked and um, but they all these zombie creatures 
clickers, whatever, come to the building where the woman's in. And the others are trying to escape. So she stays at the bottom to slow them down, to mm-hmm. let them escape. And there's a scene, it's like they, they grow and spread through. It's like similar to roots of like a tree of plants. Yeah. And that's how it kind of spreads these spores that cause an infection. And these these control the body. So it's oh, like yeah. They control the mind. Yeah. And, oh my God, when it happened, it's like, oh my God, this is absolutely awful. So there's one clicker, walker, whatever, gets right up close to the woman, opens his mouth, and it's like goes in for a kiss. But then these roots like sprout out of his mouth and go into her mouth. And it's a thing is absolutely awful. But it reminded me of that when this sort of parasite sea urchin like thing is going into her mouth. And then I think it's just when they make it's hard like I don't want to look at this. It's just yeah. horrible. It's awful to watch. And they do it, it's fairly slow as well. Mm. So it's it's coming at her at really slow speed <laughs> and she's clearly horrified but can't do anything about it. And it just And then she rounds her So this this is if you hit this bit and you're not expecting to hear spoilers, I'm sorry, but you are. But um she like throws her hand down her throat to try and get it out. A little bit later on, she's like, she's trying to pull out, and she gets out the seats because the she says some of the other community people from the community, and they've got like this weird the urchins in their throat or something, and you can see mm. that they're like affected. Um, yeah, so I guess the uh, the kind of point of the aliens being there mm. is they're coming down to Earth, they're putting these parasites, whatever they are, into. Like you say, the throats of the humans. COVID. Yeah. And then they can then control, basically controlling yeah. them with this parasite in the throat. And that's why they're coming to Earth to kind of take over the bodies yeah. uh, of the humans. So they're doing that to her, but then, like you say, she uh, gets it off. No one else could, but she managed to. Uh, yeah, weirdly. To After fighting them all off as well. That's pretty good <laughs> going. And it taught, so parasites themselves. Uh, and the way parasites spread is very interesting. And this is where I'm sort of going slightly geek now. And it's all to do, a lot of parasites use their host body to further their population, like you've just mentioned. And they can affect the host animal or person or whatever to do what they want rather than what the host wants. So there's a particular parasite that can only breed from being inside a cat's stomach. Okay. Right? So the only way this parasite can multiply and, and live on is from a cat's stomach. How do you think it gets in a cat's stomach on purpose? I'd say in its food. Yep. So cats like to eat rats or mice. Mm. This parasite infects rats right and controls them so that they don't basically they don't run away when they see or can smell cat wee or whatever they they stay there in the particular area where they know cats are and it forces the rat to stay there cat comes along eats it in its stomach reproduces what so that's how clever parasites are that you can you can do that and the parasite will just 
like live on and regenerate and reproduce through certain aspects. So these parasites, that's what they're doing. They're infecting the human. And as you see in the film, they control the human host. That's crazy. That's not like an X Files. That's not like yeah. an X Files episode. I'll send you a link. It's mental. Mental. Wow. I heard it on another podcast as well, weirdly. But yeah. Wow. So wow. parasites are very clever. Like they, well, they're not. Well, they're not. They're quite basic, but they are. The way they evolve and carry on the species is very clever. That they infect the host and make the host do stuff, which is what happens in this film. Mm. That they force those community members, I say neighbors, but they're not really like people in the community. Um, and they ch- they change, and you can see it because they've got like a weird thing on their throat, and and she recognizes that that's what this parasite thing is, and she's like grabs it out of her mouth and shit like that because she's a bit more aware than the others yeah God, that's, that's and it was quite an intense for me that was probably the most intense bit in the film was where this parasite went into her and all the while there's no dialogue and in my head I'm thinking this is a silent movie but it's not it's proper action packed like you say as soon as you see the aliens right at the start it's pretty much full on from there. It doesn't go. It's very signs looking at the start where you don't quite see the alien to begin with. And then she walks backwards up the stairs and there's a creaky bit of wood. And they come for her. So it's, it's, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, was good. And Caitlin, um, Diva does a great job basically being the only actor, actress yep. in, in the film, carried it. Carried it all, and as we get towards the end of the film, yeah. Uh, so there's kind of like a boss battle uh, with this other yeah. giant, yeah, legged Weird boss thing. alien. <laughs> that I, that killing. I thought boss. That's like end of level boss. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking <laughs> when I was watching it. Yeah, and then ends up killing that um, alien, and then that's when we find out that the reason she was shunned from the community is because. She killed a friend when she was a kid by accident. Again, pretty tight to still yeah. um, have that. But like I said, that yeah, that's, reason, that's holding the grudge, that is. Yeah, because it just takes over place over a couple of days. Um, and she does like, escape the house, goes to the town to get help, goes to the police station. But the girl who killed her dad was like the chief of police. And yeah. she's like, no one talks to her. And she's just thinking, yeah. like, no one can help me. So she goes back to the house to basically fight him herself yeah and then film ends so and... before you say it so this is the one bit i've seen people saying about the end of the film obviously i've seen the end of the film i didn't get it i don't i didn't really figure out what the whole purpose of them coming down and infected people was so please enlighten me so i mean i mean it kind of opened to how you see it i've seen people say that uh, they were intrigued by her because basically they they'd let her live yeah, they stop trying to control her, and they just let her live a life. And and but you see, as the film kind of pans out, there's all these alien ships in the sky. Yes, there's lots of, like cities on fire, and you see other people clearly being controlled by the power site. So to me, that's they took over the world at this point for me. But they've let her yeah. live. 
and I've seen people say that they think that because she, she's intrigued and interested by her, uh, that's why they sort of spared her or just lost enough aliens trying to like infect her. Uh, but for yeah. me, quite pretty much when I watched it, I thought it was because saw she was isolated and they kind of, because she's like an outsider, shunned, isolated. She had this, that's probably what gave her the kind of the, the kind of will to keep fighting them as well. It's probably took them a bit by surprise. And they kind of, I think they like kind of liked her, felt a bit sorry for her. Okay. Then, I didn't get that from the way they were trying to kill her all the time. Because <laughs> okay. uh, it shows her going like into the community. Yeah. And like dancing with the neighbors mm-hmm. who are now being controlled by the aliens. So it's like, she, it's like they gave her a life. It's not real life. It's always they're not real people. Well, they're like dead, effectively. Yeah. Uh, but she's now can have the friends, have the neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. give her yeah, a life. I see that. Mm. That's kind of like why they let her live so that she could have a life that she yeah. wanted. I mean, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, now I, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that that makes more sense than. Because it is very open. It's very open ending. It's not like it doesn't really That's explain why. Yeah, yeah I see. Exactly it, it, it's almost like there's no. A lot of films, you get that little, that first sort of section of a film is is sort of getting you get to know the character you get to know sort of the stories of everybody and you, you get a feeling towards what's going to happen like with it for example where the little the boat goes down into the drain and you see this monster and it's like we all float down here and all sorts of stuff so you kind of get what's going to happen and there's like this scene setting but in this film there's no scene setting really the aliens appear and full blast from there. So and it's not like a lot of movies where humans end up winning because the aliens do take over the world. Uh, that's how it ends. We'll just leave her. And uh, so that's kind of like the sting in the tail is that like with signs, they figure out the water can uh, kill them. And obviously while the worlds end up fighting them back and independence day you end up winning. Like in the end, whereas this one, they don't. It is the end of the world, apart from her to let her live. Yeah, Blair Witch, Blair Witch doesn't end well either. True, to be fair, but but yeah, it, it yeah it is. I might have to rewatch it with that thought process now in mind, and try and see it from the outsider point of view that she is, because I got swept quite quickly into the action got to love a good action film it doesn't at some points I was literally just exhilarated by <laughs> what was going on it was just like God, it doesn't let up at all it doesn't let no. up it's just and I was I even, I even said to the, to the guy at work I was like it was moments I was just like oh my god this is just like there's not many films that do that to me where I'm just like fully invested and it will just goes. It just goes. Because a lot of films that go a bit up and down and up and down, but that was just like... Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so no respite. No, there was no yeah. respite. And it Throw was... Uh, so yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm. Yeah, so that was No One Will Save You. The big spoiler there is that she lives, but everybody else dies. <laughs> yeah. 
lit the whole world everybody dies it appears but then i did think that do was it just the california thing or wherever she does i don't know where she lived like is it just that particular area or was it everywhere i think it's everywhere like I say, it doesn't yeah. show us um but i think it's the world yeah i think that was also quite good because like there's films like um 28 days later 20 28 weeks later which for, in terms of opening scenes of a film, 28 weeks later is phenomenal. And we, we should probably talk about zombies because people believe in zombies. In it. But if you've not seen the first five minutes of 28 weeks later, and um, what's his name's in it, I can't even think. Big beef from out of um, Train Spotting. Anyway, that it's is. Still in. Nah. No, he's amazing. in the first one. Oh, it's first. So 28 weeks later is the next one, and it's got... Um, oh, it starts uh, on the monorail thing. And on the monorail, or the train. On what? 28 <laughs> weeks later? Yeah. No, it's like a, there's a scene, they're in a cottage, and they're like, don't open the door to anybody. And then the zombies come, and his wife's... In, spoiler alert, all over the place. His wife's in the room with their kid, and he manages to get out the window, and he's running away from this isolated cottage where this zombie, the zombies have like, d- descended on. And he looks round, and she's at the window, banging at the window, like basically save me. And then you see a fucking get taken by a a zombie. All the while, he's just running from him. He's just like fuck this, I'm gone. Even though his family and kid and everything have all been massacred and he watches it essentially happen it's it's a real intense sort of five ten minutes of a film and that was the kind of feeling i got with this film quite the way through the film it was like that it was just like so like a non-stop deep breath hold your breath moment and you just Mm. so which is why i really enjoyed it because a lot of films i do watch like i mentioned to you off off there that I'll watch them in like 30 minute slots. People will hate me for that. But <laughs> I can watch films in a few hits. I don't have to watch it all at once. Because, mm. as you know, we're doing a podcast and everything. It's all a bit full on anyway. So trying to get an hour and a half to just watch a film is quite difficult. And um, yeah, it's it's one of the few films that I've really just invested and watched the whole way through the first go in. And I'm glad I did. So yeah, I'll give that. Well, okay then. What uh, a pursuit of the paranormal podcast out of ten? What would you give it? May as well give them ratings while we're here. I would go with eight. It's only that probably that middle fifteen minutes. Apart from that, it probably would have been a nine. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say eight, 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 and a half, nine around that. I'd say it definitely a film I will need to watch again. Now I've understood it a bit more. Well, I mean, that's only my, you know what I mean? No. But on like it's, Reddit, there's loads of different people's sort of thoughts and it's purposely left kind of. Yeah. To, and it, and it really is. It. it really is. It did remind me though, now looking back at it, that it's very much like signs. It was very much like 10 Cloverfield Lane because you don't really know the purpose or what these things are, where they come from, how big the problem is mm. till right at the end. Um, yeah, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. So, right now, we're talking about 
Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Mm. So, and specifically Handel Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, which yes. we're fortunate enough to get a screener version of, um, nicely sent to us by um, the film's publicist. So that was cool. Um, not we're very Hollywood now, so <laughs> I mean, please, yeah, please, the please don't come and see us. Just message us and we'll get back to you as and when we can. Yeah. Um, so, no, fortunately, we, we were uh, lucky enough to get this screener, um, which we've, we've watched. But we're going to be talking to or going to play the interview that I had with Adam Siegel, um, which is the director and writer of the film. So that was super cool. Yeah. Um, which we'll play after we've just briefly got people up to speed with who Jeff is. So. Jeff is a real event. What happened? Yeah, yeah so we, we've had uh, Richard Freeman on the pod in the past, who's been out to investigate this case a couple of times. Uh, so Jeff Talking Mongoose is the supposed name of a mysterious creature that was claimed to have inhabited a farmhouse on the Isle of Man in the early 1930s. So it was the Ir- Irving family was living on the Isle of Man, and they started having kind of weird things happening in the house. And they kind of started being able to talk to this being. They didn't actually see the, the, the creature. Uh, but he, the, well, the, the voice told him that his name was Jeff and he was a mongoose from India. So obviously mongooses aren't a UK animal. Uh, so yeah. it was very, very random that... Uh, this voice told him that it was he was a mongoose, uh, but most of the stuff that's kind of happened was more like paranormal, um, poltergeist type activity in the house. And he would have many conversations with the family, and he'd been living. He claimed to have been living on the on this property for centuries, and he would sometimes be a bit nasty towards the family and like sort of make comments about them and play pranks and stuff on him in during the house. The case was investigated by Harry Price, who sort of made it a little bit famous. Yeah. Um, and he published his book all about it. He, he remained sceptical, but couldn't prove or disprove the claims. Obviously, people say it's just a hoax by the family, uh, using ventriloquism and other things going on, just to make people think that it's uh, something happening. But very interesting Either way, very interesting story. I also can't go into it too much uh, just in this episode, but you listen to the podcast with Richard Freeman for kind of more information. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that, that's that's it in the film. Uh, Christopher Lloyd plays Harry Price. Yeah. Uh, investigator. We've also got Neil Gaiman as the voice of Jeff, and I love Neil Gaiman. He's proper cool, so I'm glad that he's in it. And you've got Minnie Driver and Simon Pegg also in the film. So yeah. quite a Quite a star-studded uh, little film, this one. And there's even more people that you'll recognise in there mm. that you, you'll you know their faces um, for definite. So, yeah, as soon as it said Simon Pegg, it's like, oh, actually, this could be a good film. This could be a good film. Mm. So it's incredibly well shot. It is. Mm. It's a film that... I went in there knowing the story because of the podcast. Yeah. Expecting it to be a comedy because it was Simon Pegg. 
Mm-hmm. I know he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't just do comedies. I get that because he does Mission Impossible, but he still plays a funny character in there, and he plays Spock in um, the Star Trek films, the newer Star Trek films. So I was expecting some kind of humour. There was a little touch of humour, I must say. Um, but the best bit was his accent, which I, which I spoke to Adam Sigal about his accent, which I can't. It was like a Slovakian weird accent. As soon as he opens his mouth, you go, "Ah, wasn't expecting that," and it kind of throws you off. And, and Adam talks about that in the interview, so I won't spoil that. But yeah, it's. I felt when I watched it that it did mirror the, um, the accounts pretty well i mean there's always always going to be um poetic license on a story to make it a bit more interesting you've only got an hour hour and a half to to smash through and you've got big names that you've got to get on screen there's got to be you've got to try and get people up to speed with the jeff story pretty quickly you've got to create that drama and Mm. it's it's not a documentary no um so you're not going to expect it to be totally like True to the to the story, it is a film. It yeah, is a film and one well. and one of those is the fact that Harry Price is played by an American. <laughs> so uh, that straight away for anybody who sort of like quite specific details of stuff, this isn't a film for you. If you want to, you'll get the overall story of the book, of of Jeff, um, but you will. You will get the overall story of Jeff. Excuse the dogs. Um, you'll get the overall story of Jeff, but you have to make up your mind whether or not you think it's a real thing, um, which is something I addressed in the interview. I mean, I, who knows? Who knows? It's so long ago, and it's, although it's pretty well documented, it's a kind of thing that it's almost too too hard to believe because it's mm. a mongoose is not it's not something that's native to the uk i know there's reports that it was yellow in the back in the old days it's not yellow in the film it's like a mongoose um so you do get a sense that while the main plot of what actually happened happened and happens in the film kind of has sort of a different sort of message and it's out on Amazon Prime on Friday yeah I thought it was a really good film I quite enjoyed it It it's not the kind of film I'd normally be interested in had I just seen the title Mm. well the title says The Talking Mongoose kind of it makes me feel like more like it'd be a kids film yes yeah it struck me as a kids film when you see the writing it's very childlike writing it's like footsteps of the mongoose at the end, so uh, sorry, at the end of the poster, should I say? So, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I enjoyed the film, and I need to watch it again because after I spoke to Adam Sigal, he sort of gave me a lover another viewpoint on it, which I won't talk about now, but more around the fact of he, he kindly put it as the cult of Jeff. Mm and how from a spiritual point of view and religious point of view, how Jeff's story resonates with a lot of people. And once he said that, I was like, ah, I see that in the film. But I, we explain all that in the interview, so I won't. 
but I recommend you watch it for definite. If if people have a, a slightly interested in the podcast, I think you'd get get something from it. Definitely remove your belief a little bit because it it is made for TV. It's like a film, so it's and it says possibly based on a true story and <laughs> and whatnot. So yeah. 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 Definitely want to watch. Cool. So yeah, now check out the interview with Adam and Greg, which will start now. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I like your haircut, man. It's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're done. almost twins. We're almost I twins. know. Your beard's <laughs> a little your beard's a little cooler than mine. Mine doesn't quite connect and it's still not i'm 41 years old i'm hoping like by the time i'm 60 maybe i'll have a full beard but i don't know it may just not happen for me in this life i'm 46 i'm 46 so okay. there's hope come on there's hope five years okay good excellent a lot can, a lot can happen in five years <laughs> absolutely that ain't that the truth so cool so yeah shall i just get straight into it do it yeah cool so we are a paranormal podcast and uh, we've spoken about Jeff on a previous podcast. Uh, it's a very intriguing story. Um, so the first question for me is why Jeff? Um, what made you uh, first want to tell his story and how did you first come across it? Because it's it's a story that people don't necessarily know about until know. now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the cult of Jeff that I call it. Like I'd say about one in 30 people that I encounter knows about it. So I came across it in the most random way possible. I was listening to a sports talk radio show out here probably Uh 10 years ago. And they did this stupid segment where they would celebrate the birthday of a a person who wasn't around anymore. Mm -hmm. And they said today was – and they'll do like five people. They're like today was Abraham Lincoln's birthday and this person's birthday. And then one day they said that today was the birthday of Dr. Nandor Fodor, considered to be the father of modern parapsychology. His most famous case involved the investigation of the talking mongoose Jeff of the – and I I I said, what? What? I did like a double take. So then I like kind of researched it sort of – superficially and i was like oh my god this is crazy i'm gonna write about this someday and i made other movies and i would tell people though i'm gonna write this talking mongoose script and they looked at me like i was insane because i was and then what i i never wanted to do just a straight biopic though that was never my intention so i had this very strange sort of peripheral that i witnessed religious experience with somebody who sort of made a crazy decision based on her religion that I was just baffled by. And for some reason, it made me think of the Jeff story and Nandor. And once I had that subtext and that theme and everything, that was when I was like, okay, now I'm going to write this. And I, I basically picked and chosen the aspects of the real incidents that served my narrative best but in doing so as well, I also researched it a ton and and mm-hmm. looked at the whole thing. And the story itself is just unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy story. So yeah, I, I get why you uh, why you chose Jeff. Um, and even when I we were um, researching it so earlier on in the year, it's it's a story that as soon as you say talking mongoose, people are like, "What? That's that's ridiculous." I know. I know. Um, <clears throat> So it's it's definitely a story that needs to be told, and yeah. what, watching it as I've done, uh, and also my co-host can't be with us today. He um he thought the same that it's it's great to have a visualization of Jeff 
to a certain extent. Um, I don't know how much I can say about the you, film because you can say whatever I, you want, man. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, the, the bit I found absolutely fascinating is I had in my head one pit, like one version of how I thought the the story would go when I watched it, and then uh, to see sort of it, it kind of going down a particular route where um, Nando's kind of like. Uh, not sure about this and then one of the guys like we both know it's a lie and then the end of the film and I was just like what I I didn't know I went into it thinking it's going to come out it's either a fake or it's real and I know throughout this throughout the whole film it's very much like oh it's fake it's real it's fake it's real depending on which characters telling the sort of narrative at that point and then at the end seeing what I did and I, I was I come off it and I thought well I didn't know what to expect the ending to be like and even after the ending I still didn't know whether Jeff was real or not it was just it was a great ending sure thank you well uh, the- you know you know I I appreciate that and like if you my intention with this so so the, the filmmakers and storytellers that I respect the most are guys like the Coen brothers and David Lynch and guys yep. who prior not guys, but filmmakers, for God's sake, who prioritize okay. who prioritize theme and subtext over narrative. OK, mm-hmm. so if you think about that and if you think that my intention with the theme of this film was to analyze the relationship between cynicism and faith and happiness, okay? And how those things relate to a person's happiness. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. So then what happens in the story serves that, right? So I I wanted to, if you sort of envisage Jeff as the concept of not God, but of religion and of, of something that you must believe in that, look, nobody's ever gonna be able to prove it really exists. But if you believe strong enough, it might. Then yeah. all the characters' decisions make sense, and all of the the, the choices in the film, I think, make sense. Like even mm-hmm. the ending, where I didn't want to show the face full on. Like you might believe so strongly in God that you feel Him or catch a glimpse of Him, but you're never going to necessarily see the face of God, right? Like it, you know, in that yeah. sense. Like, and so that was what I wanted, and and yeah. you know. The, the basic sort of concept, again, is like Nandor is this incredibly cynical, rational, scientific minded man, and he can't he can't he just can't. And that and he reflects me like you can sit here and tell me I'm going to heaven and explain why and show me all the books that say that it just doesn't work for me. I wish I could. But that's the yeah. thing. I wish I could. And and and. You believe, not you, but the proverbial you, believing that probably helps you sleep at night. And you're probably happier thinking and knowing, knowing that that's the case. But I can't get there. But that doesn't make me happy. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is like, it's, it's, it's about like, what, like, like, I think that somebody who's very scientific and looks at religion as kind of a joke considers themselves in some ways intellectually superior to somebody who just has blind faith in a in a religion and and they go i believe in god because of but here's the funny thing is like why are we here 
Like we're here to be happy. And those people are happy. Mm -hmm. So who's really more intelligent? Who's really more intellectual? If that's the ultimate goal is to find happiness, maybe tricking oneself into yeah. believing something is the answer. And so those are the concepts I was trying to explore, you know, heady as they are in this film. And I, I think that comes across because when um, Nandor, when they're, uh, and there's genius getting on and Peg as Nandor, because and his accent was fantastic, I must say. Because yeah. uh, but all the way through the film, I was expecting like these, like Shaun of the Dead puns to come out and all that kind of stuff, and it didn't, and it was perfect. In it, I was waiting for this build up and build up of this huge comedy moment, as you'd yeah. expect from Simon Pegg. And it what it didn't come, which was great. But yeah. the fact that they said, look, to be able to see Jeff, you've got to tell him that you believe in him. And exactly. he's standing, he's standing in front of the cave, going, I, I've been told to tell you that I believe in you, Jeff. Dude, and the only I, way you can yeah. My man, I've been in that exact situation. Religiously, like I feel like there's a moment in every religion where they look at you and they go, okay. You got to believe you got to do this. And that's the moment where you're either going to go, okay, and you're going to trick yourself into it and like, okay, yes, oh, I feel it. I feel it. And now you're part of this cool group and you're part of this social group that like, yeah. you're one of the chosen ones, the Jeff believers, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that was what I was trying to accomplish with the scene at the cave where, where Irving was testing him and going, is he going to buy in? And he's going to go, Jeff, I believe in you. I believe. And then he's like, you do? Okay, cool. Like he gets it. You know, and I have to say, just with regard to the accent, <laughs> I've had a really rough experience with an accent in a previous film where an actor okay. was like, I'm going to do this accent. It did not work. And so it, it, I was torn because it really tickled me, this idea to have an incredibly famous, prominent British actor in a very <laughs> British movie surrounded by British actors playing someone not British. It, it tickled me. Like I thought it was funny, but I was very worried about the accent. And of course I shouldn't have been because Simon, he, he we came on the table read and he starts talking and I'm just like, oh my, I almost fell out of my chair. It was so perfect and it was so great. And it added so much to the character. And I, I was just like, oh my God. I mean, like, and as I got to know Simon better, I realized like I never should have been worried because he's just mm. absolutely incredible. But yeah, yeah. anyway. That was a genius. That was a genius thing with the, the accent. And I, I was when he first spoke and I was like, oh, OK. And I, I still couldn't place the accent for a while. And even now, but it just worked. It worked really well. It sounded so like Christoph Waltz. You know, yeah. that's what it reminded me yeah. of a little bit. Like, it was just so great. I loved it. So. I've got a quick question. You mentioned about the happiness and this cult, and and absolutely, it is like you you've got to be fully committed to this to be able to see. So you might hear and all that, but you'll never see unless you fully commit. And that 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 hits right for for some of these <laughs> religions, most definitely. But so in an interview uh, with the Isle of Man Examiner after his visit to see the Irvins, Nandor Fodor actually said, "If Jeff is an animal." He's a splendid animal, and I love him. Jeff seems to have a way of making people feel this way, which comes across in the film because they all go, oh, he said some stuff about my dad, or he said this about this character, and I've come to – he made phone calls around to everybody like 2 o'clock in the morning, which was yeah. – uh, that was funny. Um, oh, yeah. So Jeff has a way of 
of making people feel this way. Do you or did you or any of the cast or crew developed any kinds of feelings of real affection oh. with the little guy? Oh, my God, so much, man. <laughs> I mean, there were full on like heated debates about believing in Jeff or not believing in Jeff. <laughs> and I've got I mean, I've got pins. I've got I mean, look, I, I could even show you in here. I mean, I've got like, you know, I believe in Jeff pins. I mean, I, like, <laughs> like we really, truly like amazing. There's a little sign, uh, Nandor Funko, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was like, absolutely. And and that was really cool. And I got, you know, I, we did a premiere of the film here in the U.S. about a month and a half ago. And and we had like 500 people there. And I have so many people still messaging me just how they think about Jeff and the the concept of this little rodent. And, and, it's, and, I, and I think that that was really, really lovely. Like the, the cult sort of, status of of jeff as well deserved you know because there's so much about the story that even far beyond what i wrote i mean like mm -hmm. like there was like a i have to re go back and look at the specifics i can't remember exactly but there was some there was some libel case regarding jeff and one of the guys who it wasn't price i think it was the other guy who regarding like slander that went all the way to parliament and it famously led to a fist fight in the halls oh, of wow. parliament over this case relating to Jeff. And so the Jeff even made it to the halls of parliament and caused a fist fight. Like it's amazing. It really is worth spending an hour to just do some Googling. And it's, it's incredible. It's an insane story. So last question for me is, do you believe in Jeff? My answer, somebody asked me this at the premiere, and I'll tell you the same response I gave them. I believe in Jeff as much as I believe in God. There you go. Very good. Very good. <laughs> no, that's awesome. We could talk forever on this. Jeff's such a – Jeff's a when, – when you say to – I told people today that I'm, I'm speaking to somewhere, the director of a film about a talking mongoose, and they're like, pardon? Yeah, what? And yeah, then the next question, the next question would be, is why haven't they listened to our podcast about it? But, but exactly. um, it, it's just so fascinating. Like, so even just the the, the title of the film itself oh, yeah. is just like, what the, what am I even going to be walking into with this film? And it wasn't what I expected it to be. I expected with Simon Pegg to be in it. I expected a comedy element, and whilst there is funny moments in it, for definite, for definite, yeah. it, um, it. It was just a fast. It was a fascinating story. So, uh, and it, it brought to life what I thought Jeff might look like. Also, like the whole, the whole, like you say, the whole cult of Jeff. I think, um, yeah. I, I, and I don't even know if Jeff is a thing. It was. It it's just crazy, crazy. I mean, have you seen the photographs of him? I mean, mm -hmm. I sent those to Simon, and it we were howling. I mean, it looks like a furry hat on a fence. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh yeah, it's it's almost the most unbelievable, believable thing. It's just it's insane. So it yeah, insane. yeah, <laughs> cool. cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Have a good one. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.